This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 86. I'm not standard. I'm a little bit, uh, I, I'm not standard. There's nothing really standard about me. Uh, and I'm relaxed. Um, and it, the relationships with the students are way more important to me than the actual content. I really believe that the skills that they're learning is going to benefit them way more than, than any factor or figure that they're going to learn. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for listening. Where does the time go? The end of the school year is near for many of us. Some of my friends are already out for the summer while others are looking at two more weeks of school. Wherever you are in wrapping up the school year, I hope you take some time to sit and reflect on the year past. The students you connected with, the growth you saw in them, and don't forget the fun you had along the way. I love remembering the fun times I had with my classes, the time a science experiment went wrong and we laughed as a class, the time we had our inside jokes that only we as a class knew. Creating that community and those connections, that's what teaching's about. We all know that is the most important thing, and that is more important than the actual content that students learn. And today's guest fits that mold completely. Before we get started, today's guest, however, I have two things I would like to share with you that have kind of come out this last couple of weeks for me personally. First, my first ever uh, peer-reviewed paper has been published. I was honored to work on the paper with Doreen Keller, who is an associate professor of the Master's in Teaching program at Whitworth University in Spokane. She came to me last July, said, hey, they want to do a special uh, journal article on technology in the classroom. I think you'd be a great fit. Would you want to work on this with me? And so since last July, we have been uh, writing this paper, going through the peer review process. And it's been so great to have uh, Doreen, who's a professor at a university, kind of help walk me through uh, the peer review process. Uh, just a really good time to, to get down and, and really even solidify my own thoughts about what do I believe and where do I believe education is going. So um, I'm very honored that it was published in this latest issue. Uh, The paper was published in the Critical Questions in Education Journal by the Academy for Educational Studies. Doreen and I started working on the paper in July, as I said, and we made it through two rounds of reviews before it was published this week. The paper, which I'll record in a later episode in its entirety, I figured I'll just make it into a podcast here later this summer, but it is titled Becoming Relevant Again, Applying the Connectivism Learning Theory in Today's Classroom. The paper looks at the eight principles of the connectivism learning theory and then breaks those down to what this might look like in the classroom and why using and applying the connectivism theory to the classroom needs to be something that educators consider in today's connected classroom. If we're giving every kid a laptop, we have to use learning theories that actually apply to the classroom of today that we find ourselves teaching in. If you want to read the paper, you can download it along with other great papers published in the issue of the Questions for Educational Studies Journal over at academyforeducationstudies.org. I'll also put a direct link in the show notes. So if you don't want to remember, academyforeducationalstudies.org. I will have a direct link in the show notes that you can click on. Not only was my paper published, but there were a lot of papers published in this uh, journal, all of them focused on 
using technology in the classroom, just some really good research and ideas uh, around what do we need to be thinking about, just some uh, really good work, and I'm very honored to be a part of it. Um, Also, I had the honor a few months back to be invited by Microsoft to take part in their Teaching Happiness webinar series they produce. It's a free webinar series that Microsoft produces that have uh, where they have conversations with educators, academics, and thought leaders uh, around education. You have to register for the free webinar series. It's free, but you have to go and register for it. Uh, But once you do, you get access to all the great conversations, mine, including all the others. During the shooting, I actually met a few of the other guests, and you're going to love hearing from them as well. The title of the webinar series is Teaching Happiness, and it spans a, a range of different topics, all focused on students, which I just really appreciate. So you can sign up at the link in the show notes. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go watch that webinar. Uh, Fantastic. Let me know what you think about my interview, the interviews of the other, or you can head over. I've made a URL shortener for you. It's gg.gg slash ju micro web for Microsoft webinar. So that's gg.gg, which is a great URL shortener if you are looking for one. It's just gg.gg slash ju micro web. So you can uh, head that way, or again, in the show notes, I will have a link for you. As always, if you have any thoughts or feedback on either the paper or the webinar interview, I always love hearing from you. You can reach out uh, via the hashtag SOS podcast on Twitter, or stop by the SOSpodcast.org website and leave me a Flipgrid response, or shoot me a short message. Uh, Feedback is how we all get better, and I love hearing from you. Now, this week, I am excited for you to hear from Allison, a high school science teacher who is anything but standard. A great conversation about how she approaches learning, science, and the students in her classroom. You're going to enjoy this one. Enjoy the June weather wherever you are. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for joining us this week in another great exit conversation with Allison, high school science teacher. I make sure I get this right. High school science teacher, Enumclaw High School. Um, and she is here with us today to talk a little bit about her classroom, her philosophy, uh, and how technology has helped to enhance and, and change her classroom. So welcome, Allison. Thank you. I'm so, so excited. I know. This is amazing. Huh? <laughs> it's amazing what technology allows you to do. We don't even have to be in the same, in the same room. Um, so let's just get started by having you introduce yourself to, to everyone uh, and kind of talk about your journey into becoming a science teacher. What, what, what was your path into this profession? Yeah, I have probably a, a unique path. I am new to teaching, new to classroom teaching anyway. Um, I worked in, in the industry for a while, which is very exciting. That's very cool. Um, so I originally went to school and got my bachelor's in biology uh, and had kind of grown up my whole life with people telling me I was going to be a teacher. Like, you're going to be a great teacher. <laughs> I don't want to be a teacher. Yeah. Okay? Like, I want to, I'm going to do something, you know, like <laughs> that, that like, I'm going to go do something. And so I did um, and decided I was going to be a zookeeper and just sort of fell into um, volunteering at Northwest Trek Wildlife Park and volunteered in animal care, worked my way up to being a keeper. I was a zookeeper for for five years and then somehow by magic landed the lead educator job there as the lead cool. naturalist um, and was there for about four or five years too so 
um, I've done a lot of kind of crazy things um, <laughs> and then had an opportunity to be in one of the high school productions as a grown up um, with Eric Fiedler, a math teacher here. And through that whole process of being in the play, um, really realized that I needed more of an inter a more meaningful interaction than the 30 mm -hmm. seconds that you get with the public um, in that type of outdoor informal education setting. Yeah. And decided that I, I wanted the opportunity to build those student relationships and have a bigger impact. And so I quit my job and I Fine. went back to school and got my master's degree. And um, so now I'm in my second full year of teaching. So I'm, I'm like two and a half or something now. Wow. Um, and got my dream job. The goal was to end up in Enumclaw and I ended up in Enumclaw. So That's great. Very, very lucky. Yes. Very cool. So only uh, second year teacher. That's great. So this is your finishing your second year or? So I taught my first job. I taught middle school in Auburn. Okay. And so I, I did my student teaching in the fall and got hired by a middle school. for the spring. Oh, cool. So I came in to a seventh grade science classroom, middle of the year. They hadn't had a, a teacher the whole year. They had a different substitute every day for the first four months of school. Wow. So it was a crash course in classroom Crew management <laughs> with seventh graders. Well, welcome. Welcome to the profession. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. We'll talk a little bit about your, um, your class. And I love, you know, I, I love that when people have, you know, for lack of a better term, had a real job uh, and then come to education because uh, I always find it fascinating people who have done other things and then are able to bring those experiences for their students, you know, and, um, you know, you being a very much a science background uh, with all of your, your zoo experience and outdoor education stuff to bring that into the classroom. How has that impacted kind of the, the philosophy, your teaching philosophy, the way you teach and what, what's kind of, how do you kind of run your science classroom? What's the big, the big things for you? Um, I'm guessing the other teachers would, would, it's probably one of those, oh, Allison's class. <laughs> <laughs> one of those teachers. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit, uh, I, I'm not standard. There's nothing really standard about me. Uh, and I'm relaxed. Um, and it, the relationships with the students are way more important to me than the actual content. I really believe that the skills that they're learning is going to benefit them way more than than any factor or figure that they're going to learn yeah. um, in any class. It doesn't matter the, the content, whether it's science or math or whatever it is. Um, and of course, there's exceptions for that. If they're planning to go and be a biologist someday, then yeah, right. absolutely, they're going to really care about the content. But um, I've really spent the year kind of honing that belief, that, mm. that something that was always been a belief of mine, but how do I actually put that into practice and have it be meaningful in a classroom? And that's been the biggest journey of the year, um, I think, is how do I make that practical? How, yeah. do, I, how do I teach content? Because, yeah. you know, it's part of the job, like the right. requirement, right? Right. Kind of have to do that. Um, but how do I get out of them what I think is the most important thing? Mm. Um, and, and that has been rough. We had yeah. to do, we did philosophy. Somebody, somebody was talking about developing philosophy. Um, for your classroom and like a mission statement. Yeah. We talked about that this year yeah. um, with our group. And um, somebody, it, it clicked for me at one moment. Somebody said, 
you know, Allison, she just loves kids into learning. Loves kids into learning. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I kind of get it. (laughs) I kind of get it. I like that. And then having been a professional, the other sort of piece of that, I guess my submission Mm -hmm. uh, has been, uh, and I can't remember where I heard it. Somebody else said it. Um, Real tasks for a real audience. Mm. It might have even been you. Yeah. Uh, Who you know, this idea that these kids need to be doing something that matters. Yeah. And that isn't just for a teacher audience. This generation, for whatever reason, they don't look at their teachers as like this esteemed audience. They're not looking for the feedback and the praise of the teacher necessarily, like as that profession. Yeah. They need something that matters and they need something that's meaningful. And so Mm. it's kind of changed to me, even with my limited experience, but yeah. I think you have to make the design of a lesson be, yeah, and that they need to connect and do something real. Yeah, I was reading an article. It was very fascinating because this year's um, this year graduating class from university is the first Gen Z generation into the workplace, and so there was a fantastic article that had all these seniors who are graduating this year. They were talking to a bunch of these seniors about what are you looking for in an employer? And then they're also talking to recruiters and looking at the way that industry is changing their mind shift around this generation. So a couple things came out. Um, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of companies are now using video as an onboarding because this generation has raised, been raised with YouTube. And so they're making these YouTube style like onboarding videos for you to learn our company. And I guess mm-hmm. the army just made one. So the army is now recruiting through video to get to this generation because that's how, that's all they do, right? Is there a video generation? The other thing that I found interesting is to your point, um, they want to do something that it matters and they're not willing to hang around in a job just to put in their time, right? Mm-hmm. So that idea of the audience that has, that has to matter. So they were looking at companies and there's a couple of different companies who are now, when you get hired and they, the one in the article that was, they were talking about AT&T is if you get hired by AT&T, you do rotations within AT&T to figure out what your best fit is. So we know we want you as an employee, but you're going to spend six months with this group and six months with this group and three months with that group and four months with this group. And then at the end of your year trial, you get to see, okay, what is my best fit for my skill set in this company? I'm just thinking that that is a complete different shift from other from other generations. Yeah. And, and they've, they were just talking about like this generation is not willing to like, if, I mean, we've known this, the millennials are very much the same way is that they're not going to put in their time. It's just like, I'm going to come in. And if I don't, if I don't feel like I'm making a difference, I'll move on to somewhere where I do. And so it's trying to, okay, well, where do you fit that you feel like you're making a difference within our, you know, that, that whole intrinsic feedback. So I just find that really interesting to your point of like, this is, it's got to be real and it's got to be meaningful. And, you know, they will see that if I'm just doing something because the boss told me to, AKA the teacher, that's not meaningful to me. And then they shut down, they disengage. And that's where we see disengagement, you know, at an all time high in high schools right now. Cause I think we're, we've got this generation that's just like, you know, I, I'll like you and I'll respect you, but that doesn't mean I have to do work for you. You know, that's a completely different, yeah, it's a completely different thing. So talk a little bit about what are some of the things that you've done in your classroom, this, and this idea of bringing relevance to your students or making these, these real world, um, with all the, all the experience that you bring from, from your background as well. What are some of the, what are some of the units or projects that you like to have kids do? And what has kind of been the student feedback on those projects? 
So I started this year, I'd like to feed my year so that, that I kind of have an in- inspiration to fall back on because yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit abstract and I can get off track kind of easily. So if I give myself a focus, then I can come back to it. Um, and so this year's theme for both my classes, I teach freshman biology and uh, human anatomy, was that we're going outside. That's a quote. We're going outside. <laughs> and so it, is, it really started off as, like I'm li- we're literally going to get up out of our seats. We're going to go outside of the classroom. We're going to do something because life does not exist in a box. Yeah. Um, and we did, we did every Friday. I took my freshman out and we did something crazy. And then I was like, you know what? I teach JTE, Korean tech ed, and it needs to be related to careers. And I said, you know what? Going outside isn't just us physically getting up and moving. It's bringing the outside in. It's thinking yeah. outside the box, you know, like it's this, this growth of the idea. And so I started bringing in professionals. I brought in a good friend of mine, John Prusich, who um, owns a company called The Falconer. And he brings his birds out cool. to schools and, and teaches them. So we brought them in and he spent a whole day. And a good friend of mine who's a dermatology PA came in and taught him how to, taught him how to do punch biopsies. Like they <laughs> actually did punch biopsies. Wow. And I taught them how to suture this year. Like just some crazy stuff that, that you just, normally wouldn't do when it's yeah. that skill and exposure to careers um which is really what i want them to know there's more to, there's more to science than being a science teacher yeah um and then really through the process of the impress me project working with gunner and steve um giving these kids some choice and so they've spent the year with exposure to a lot of different opportunities building websites we've done blogging we've done um you know choosing their own topic and teaching us a little bit about something that they wanted to learn about, um, giving them a lot of sort of starts into things Yeah. so that I could take the end of the year with my anatomy class. And I told them the very first day of school that in the last four to six weeks, no matter where I was in the curriculum, I was going to stop teaching and I was going to turn it over to them. And they were going to come up with some project that they wanted to do. And they would spend the last part of the year doing the project. And I just kept reminding him about it. I didn't give him yeah. any details. And they kept going, what are we doing? Mrs. A, when are we going to do the project? What are we, can I do this? I'm like, okay. So last week I, I finally introduced the project and it was like their heads exploded. Um, <laughs> because the requirements on the project are like, yeah, it should be kind of science related. It should be something you care about. It can be in any format and then it has to have a real audience. Hmm. And they were like, whoa, <laughs> okay, uh, great. And so I developed this whole form for like writing down their interests and, and do you want to, you know, are you thinking about being a teacher someday? If you're being a, want to, thinking about being a teacher, what grade do you want to teach? Okay, let's come up with a lesson to teach second graders. What does that yeah. look like? And guess what? I got a lot of connections. I'm going to find a second grade teacher that you can go and teach a class. Yeah. And you're going to go and do it and you're going to reflect on it. Um, being and it's about that skill building right being reflective on your own work and um taking a risk and doing something that matters and creating a real product like if you have to go and do a lesson in front of a full second graders you're going to put a lot more into it than if i'm like hey write me absolutely for a second grade absolutely so i've got some incredible things we had our first meetings today 
and I have some of the coolest projects going on. I have kids who are writing comic books. I have a kid who wants to write a choose-your-own-adventure story. <laughs> wow. I have a kid that's going to make a short film, and he's writing the music for it. Like, wow. he's underscoring this film, and his, his thought for the film is that there's going to be no dialogue. He's mm. going to tell the story with music wow. and talk about the effects that music has on the brain. And that's his connection. Wow. Very cool. Um, a lot of like job shadows, people who are thinking about going into the industry. So that's perfect. Um, I have a kid who welds, who's going to weld me a hu- full size human skeleton. <laughs> are you kidding me right now? This that's is going to awesome. be the best project ever, even if only four of them finish it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like just because they are all hopping down some different rabbit hole yeah all 70 of them are doing yeah. something different yeah um and they're excited about it yeah and the ones who are kind of unsure of what they're doing yeah they they're invested already yeah um, yeah that's great so, yeah very very cool Thanks. i love it um talk a little bit about i know when i was there in march you were doing i think it's called mammal madness March Mammal Madness. March Mammal Madness. Talk a little bit about that. I know it's something you can, uh, and we'll link to it because I know it's a whole website that is ran by yeah. somebody else that, that yeah. does it. And I'll make sure there's links in the show notes for other science teachers who want to want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but kind of maybe just talk about it because I found that to be just, what a great way to, to just learn about animals and have some fun around the idea of March Madness. It is absolutely the coolest. So it's kind of the brainchild of Dr. Katie um, Hind, Hindi. I always say it wrong. I think it's Hind. H-I-N-D-E. And she actually, her regular job is she's a research scientist and she studies breast milk, Mm. like of all things. And you're like, okay, really? Yeah. Uh, But uh, I had an opportunity to watch her talk uh, uh, at a conference earlier this year. And she was talking about actually the science that she does. And it's just mind boggling. I was so inspired. I came back and I lectured about it in my classes for three hours. It was just so cool. But she started this project as a way to increase awareness for um, endangered mammals mm. and uh, bringing in the idea of March Man- Madness and creating brackets behind these mammals. And it, it was like a group of like 15 or 16 or something like university people who like yeah. got together to play this game and they developed it and um, they started publicizing it and it kind of just took off. It blew up. They have their own Twitter handles and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And there's a whole website devoted to it. And I can't remember what year they're in um, now, but it's been going on for multiple years. There's thousands of schools across the world that, that participate every year. And Very cool. um, the kids get to prick their brackets. Uh, this year, I built my own website to run um, the kids through. And it um, is set up, inspired by Tyler Rablin, uh, who builds his own sort of module websites. Yeah. So I used his as a platform to build my own. And um, walk the kids through how to pick their choices, and they had to put it on a spreadsheet and share it with me. And it calculated points. It had running totals. The people who organize it, um, Dr. Heinz, she, they make these hilarious puppet videos <laughs> that like give a weekly recap of everything. <laughs> it's hysterical. And the kids uh, love them, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So I had like running <laughs> scoreboards in my room for who was in the lead and. They had to beat me for extra credit. However many points they beat me by, they got extra credit. In the oh, that's book. cool. They were like, whoa, amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, you always get like bonus points. Whoever's in last place, you know. Yeah. Who's the worst at this game? Yeah. Worst, you know? <laughs> awesome. They Very like, cool. Um, they had to build arguments. They actually did flip grid videos for who they thought was going to win and why. Yeah. These little promotional videos for who they picked to win the game. 
you'd have kids who were so amped up about like the tiger or some weird mouse nobody's ever heard of yeah. that you love. And this year they did, what did they add this year? There was a tag team. And so you could have like two animals that work together. So they were talking all about parasitism versus, oh, wow. you know, um, species that were or, And all around a March Madness theme, which kids yeah. understand and get into yeah. anyway. So yeah. Good. We had a big bracket on the wall down. So it was like <laughs> the whole wall. I think it's probably like a, a 25 feet by eight foot wall that yeah. leaves everything out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's so, so, so cool. I want, I just, I, I love that idea. And I think um, just watching, you know, when we were working together and I was down there in March watching your excitement and, you know, <laughs> kids can't help to get excited when your teacher is that excited about, you know, March mammal madness. Yeah. So um, I just, I think it's really cool. We'll make sure there's links to it in the show notes for, for anybody else that wants to play that with their kids. What grade do you think you could play it down to? I think you could adapt it for any age, yeah. really, because it's bigger than mammals now. So they yeah. really talk about a lot of different animal kingdoms. So you can really broaden your base for that and simple, or like a simplify, really. Simplify, for yeah. That all the way up to my kids would pick species and they'd have to, they built websites around like, this is where they live. And this is, yeah. you know, how can we, if they're an endangered species, why are they endangered? Are there action steps, human impact kind of things that we can yeah. do? Um, to make it better. Or yeah. Not. I love it when you have platforms like that, where you, the teacher, right? It's all about how far do you want to take this? You can make this as yeah. simple and basic as possible. Of like, we're just going to watch the videos and see who wins and plays the bracket to you're going to be making videos and you're going to be looking at the, the habitat of these mammals. And we're going to be, you know, looking at all these other things that you could build on top of, uh, on top yeah. of the platform. So I love and platforms like that even with our school, we have seven science teachers and we kind of as a department said, yeah, we're going to be involved, but each one of us was involved to a different extent. Like, very cool. you know, I'm kind of hardcore and competitive when it comes to these kinds of things. So <laughs> at my intensity level is probably pretty high compared to some of the other <laughs> teachers who were like, yeah, we'll watch videos every week for sure. Right. You yeah. can keep track of your own score. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, talk about, we had Gunner on a couple episodes ago. So those of you that are listening, Gunner was a conversation we had in episode 81. Um, and he talked a little bit about a project that you, him and Steve did together. Uh, this kind of big project and some of his takeaways and uh, learnings and re as he's reflecting on that project, some of the things that when he tries it again, what are, what are his takeaways from trying this big, big, you know, um, kind of open-ended uh, project that the three of you were, that you, you know, uh, worked on this year. Um, and so people can go back and you can listen to Gunner's take on it, which is fantastic in episode 81, but kind of talk about what, from your angle, as you reflect on, on that project that you guys did. And again, uh, it was Gunner is an English teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. You were science and Steve was social studies. Yeah. And so we had the three of you bringing your kids together to do this project. Um, what was, what was kind of your, your big ahas or takeaways from, from trying to do a project at that scale? And then also just the open-endedness of it. Uh, the biggest one, see, it's kind of funny because Gunner teases me because I'm the yes man. Like, yeah. I will try anything, you know, yeah. like, and he's the brainchild. So he has these crazy ideas and I'm always like, yeah, let's do that. That's great. <laughs> yes, that's going to be awesome. Um, and I think it goes back to when I was kind of talking about inspiring kids to do something, to make yeah. things that matter. 
And I think we really missed the mark on how we introduced the project. Mm. And, and that's kind of how I got to this final project in anatomy. Yeah. Is we were trying so hard to make the content fit together and for it to be meaningful academically and educationally that we forgot that these kids, if they want to learn something, they're going to go and find a video on YouTube. Yeah. If they want to learn something, they're going to go where they need to go to find the resources um, for the most part. Yeah. But if you're really talking about making a project impress you or yeah. matter or be far reaching, those are the skills that they sort of go, what? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that, that part where they still need us, they need us yeah. to facilitate things. They need the access to the resources that we've built over our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, and they need the experience to help guide their own experience. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No, I love that. Um, and that's, that's where, I mean, I guess if it missed the mark, it missed the mark there that we really wanted to say, here, take it, run with it, do it, and and try to be as hands-off as possible. Yeah. And as much as I wanted to be, I'm all I'm as much as I'm the yes man, I'm also the mom in the group. Like, yeah. I'm the mama bird. And and Gunner's like the the scary one. <laughs> and he's like bad he's, cop. He's like, he's like angry dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like Gunner is is or not Gunner, but Steve is like the organizational dad. Yeah. Know? Like he keeps the household running. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And um and I'm the one who's like, oh, should we should we help him a little bit? Like yeah. can, we, can we just tell him this one thing? Can we, I'm gonna go sit with that table and see how they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> that one. And they were like, no, no, we're not helping. We're not gonna yeah. no, let him go. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's fine. So um, that's, what that's what I love about what you're talking about is, you know, we get, we, uh, there are times when, especially in, in, in the line of work that I do, you know, around helping teachers integrate technology into the classroom. Um, there's so many times that, you know, teachers are, are frustrated and I know it comes from a place of frustration, but they'll be like, well, if, if we're going to do it this way, then why are we even teachers anymore? Why do we still need teachers? You yeah. know, and like they'll, they throw this out to me all the time. Like we're, we're just going to be replaced by computers until you try to do something like that. And this is why I love you and Gunnar and Steve uh, telling your, your uh, telling the story because it wasn't the success you wanted it to be. It wasn't a complete failure on the other end. I mean, learning still did occur, but we need to, you know, I love hearing teachers reflect to say, yeah, here's what we learned. And I love that all of you are learning like, yeah, the teacher still really matters. <laughs> you know, having a caring adult to put some structures in place really matters when you're building projects like this. You know, and, and I think that is a great thing to remember is you can have all the technology in the world. You can learn anything you want, but it's the people that you're surrounded with that give meaning to your projects that are able there to encourage you or to kick you in the rear or, you know, whoever plays their role yes, helps exactly. to keep you organized. You have, you surround yourself with those people and that's, that's why teachers still matter, you know, and, and why we're not going to see all different kinds. You yeah. need the mama bird teacher and you need the bouncer in the corner and yeah. you need the organizational guy, the A type. Yeah. And it, it's just great. We just watched um, a film, uh, School in the Class. Hmm. Have you seen that? I haven't, no. Oh my gosh. This guy. What's it called? School in the Class? Uh, School in the Cloud. Oh, School in the Cloud. Yeah. And um, this former IT guy 
was looking outside his window and his like the wall borders right up against the swamp. And so he was like, I wonder what would happen if I gave these kids access to technology. Mm-hmm. And so he literally cut a hole in the wall, puts a computer in it, and just doesn't maintain it at all, just sees what kids do with it. Yeah. And it, it evolved into this huge project where he built a school um, in a, a small village in India. And he, it's just a room with computers. He was like, yeah. let's change the pace of education. What happens if we just give them technology? And he learns uh, throughout the way, you know, it's obviously success and failure. These kids can teach themselves technology. We know that. Yeah. Right? They can teach themselves anything. Yeah. Um, but then what do they use it for? Well, if you don't guide that piece of it, yeah. if you don't direct them in some way towards what they're doing, not hand-holding necessarily, but hey, like why is, and they use this in the movie, why is a, a teardrop shaped the way it is? Why is it pointy on top and round on the bottom? Yeah. You know, and he went through this whole science of pedagogy. Like how do I, how do I formulate a good question? What does that look like? And it was so practical and applicable that it was it was really inspiring for me because I think that's that's where I falter. Mm. I I have all the philosophy, I have all these good ideas. I know what we should be doing, yeah. but nobody's done it. And so, how do I make it a reality? How do I make it practical? And he had gone through that kind of exper- experimental process where, by the end of it, he he knew you need a new question, but you couldn't just put these kids in a room. They had to have a facilitator. And yeah. so he didn't call them teachers. He didn't put educators in the room. He put just grandma. He, he called it like the nanny web or something like yeah. that. It's hysterical. It's grandmas, literally grandmas, who would Skype with these kids in India and ask them random questions and encourage them. Yeah. And then facilitators in the room who would help guide or clarify things. Yeah. Um, and that's the role, right? Yeah. Like yeah. They don't really need us to hand them facts. Yeah. They have access to the textbooks without us. We know that. Yeah. But they don't have someone encouraging them and guiding them and leading them in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and that's what the profession is turning into. Yeah. I love that. I, and I'm and glad. I'm excited. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think, I think the, the education as a profession is in that shift as well of what is our role. We are still very much needed. We're not going away. But I think our role is changing philosophically. You know, and we're having to try and, and come up with that, you know, redefining what, what our work looks like. Talk a little bit about that. That I think that's a great segue into um, just computers in your classroom. You know, you're in a one-to-one Chromebook environment uh, in the science classroom. I mean, one of the things whenever I'm talking to science teachers, I'm like, good luck trying to teach from a science textbook these days. I mean, it's A, as fast as science is changing literally by the minute. You know, I mean, just the amount of information that we have. Um, you know, I just, I, I can't imagine what that would do for, for a classroom. So maybe talk a little bit about that is what, what has that meant for your classroom that every kid's had, had a laptop, had a Chromebook uh, for you? So. Um, Chromebook is, is really invaluable because when you talk about science changing so quickly, there's nothing better than having those kids go and find that information themselves. Yeah. This, my anatomy classes this year, I, I took kind of a big risk and I, I taught a whole unit on immunology this year. Um, and, and vaccinations and, and, you know, really yeah. kind of, you know, walking yeah. the fence, walking the line yeah. on that one. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Especially and, with the measles outbreak here in yeah. the state of Washington. Well, but that was the thing. That's perfect. Is 
I would like lay in bed at night and I'm flipping through the news <laughs> and I saw this article like, yeah. what do you mean there's a guy in SeaTac Airport with the measles? Yeah. <laughs> and my first thought was, oh my gosh, I have to share this with my kids. Yeah. And so I did like on my phone or on my Chromebook, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sharing this article. It shares straight to my Google Classroom. Yeah. It pops up as a notification for them. Some of these kids are reading it, you know, in yeah. the middle of the night and they're yeah. already responding like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that my mom works there or oh, wow. like, we know about this. And so since I sent that first article, now they're ch- watching the news. Mm. They're paying attention. They're, they're keyed into this stuff that's actually happening in the real world and evolving yeah. and changing. And how is what they learned, herd immunity, they understand why it matters that the yes. high school vaccination rate is 95% or higher. Yeah. Like, that is important. We need that, you know, like, yeah, right. we're going to stop the outbreak. Like, that, what does that mean versus another school that's only 72%, you know? Yeah. Um, and they get it. Like, that's real life and that's happening right now. Yeah. And as, versus the video i started the whole unit out with a video about polio yeah you know that happened in the you know 50 60 70 years ago yeah now. right and they're like okay well yeah great yeah polio, like that polio doesn't mean anything to me and i'm like yeah. okay yes polio is still an issue because of this yeah because of this you know but it's so much more real when they're like oh did i did i go to the the bunny lake clinic last week i don't don't know you know and now i had kids who were like can i call my mom right now and make sure that i have my measles (laughs) oh my goodness so but if they didn't have that technology or if we were a school that wasn't pro technology yeah we're we're limiting so many things we're not providing them the opportunity to go and explore and to learn what's a real site and what isn't what yeah. is valid what isn't what's the truth and what's not yeah. and i spend a lot more teaching a lot more time teaching how to evaluate a source yeah which is huge I mean, quite honestly maybe even more valuable than, than anything else i taught this year like yeah how do you know what you're doing is real yeah um, and how do you read a statistic right yeah because a lot of our our so good in so science based in statistics and graphs and yeah. percentages and and nobody really knows what that means or how to look at the data themselves exactly so my freshman and my anatomy has really had to look at that i love that that's so good bringing that that stuff into science because you're right everything is statistically right like the whole measles outbreak they were talking you know it's just statistics coming at you and how do you yeah. slow that down how do you slow the information down how do you yeah. look at it critically how do you know what is it, you know, what is it that you're going to believe and what has background? Where can you go to to educate yourself so that you are in the right spot? I just love that. Yeah. I I, I think science is the one. I was working with another school district who are getting ready to adopt a science curriculum and they didn't know if they were going to have enough um, money for, for laptops. And I was like, well, I know where you can find the money. <laughs> the science curriculum, you've got standards. We've got amazing science standards. Yeah. And you've got this thing called the internet and science is moving so quickly. The textbook, if you have, if you have a textbook, it's a great foundational piece, a great foundational piece, but there's so much out there, you know, so much out there. And the, the ability to bring the real world in to your point, you know, uh, you can do that in every subject area. There are things that we are teaching every single day that are happening in the real world that we have access to that we can throw them in a Google classroom and start a discussion and yeah. allow that, you know, this is why we learn about, you know, 
vaccines and viruses and bacteria infections. Yeah. And, you know, this is why, because this stuff is real, you know, it's it still out there. The, how am I ever going to use this question? Yeah. You know, like nobody can ask that anymore. Exactly. So like, I can Google it right now. <laughs> and find you, a news no, article. You know what? I'm not going to Google it right now. You Google it right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> you have the device either in your hand or sitting in front of you on the desk. Yeah. Like you can do it. Alexa is in my classroom. I don't know if you know that. No. Uh -uh. Yeah. She sits on my desk. And we asked her a question. Oh, sure. There she is. There she is. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And it, it, we'll ask her questions. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's I love great. that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, and I appreciate uh, it's right after school. I know nobody else can, can see Allison, but it's just after school. And if you heard some clanging in the background, that's because Sorry. the janitor's in cleaning a room. Um, that's all right. I, I love, that's what, you know, I love doing. It's so authentic. Uh, we were doing one the other day and the bell went off for the period in the oh, middle. Of but you know what? That's, that's teaching. That's the way it goes. So it's not, it's not a big deal. Uh, it is. So, but thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know we're getting down here to just about a month left to school and it starts to get pretty hectic. So I appreciate you taking a half hour or so with us today and just talking about your classroom and uh, some of the stuff that you're doing in biology. So just really exciting stuff. And thank you for the year of learning with me and teaching me so much uh, about high school science as well. I really appreciate all you offered in the, in the cadre and the cohort this year. So I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. Cool. All right. I'll see you later, Allison. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.